Hey, what's up, guys? It's Chad. Uh, before we start this episode, uh, just a quick uh, apology. We lost the last probably 10 to 15 minutes of recording, and it really sucks, uh, but that's what happens when you're new to something. Uh, you make mistakes and you learn from them. So uh, just to recap, uh, some of the things we talked about were God's glory, um, how God is working in Ron's life now, and you know what? It's been a while, almost a week, and I don't completely remember everything, but I pray, uh, like always, that this podcast would edify you. Um, please forgive me for the shortcomings, and um, we know that God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So uh, yeah, go ahead. Be blessed. Uh, thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Bye. I pray that you would be with us in this time and bless our conversation. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. And they don't even have a complete New Testament. And assail men who have afflicted the Christian world and ruined the bodies and souls of other men. If I were to retract those, I should be like a cloak that covers evil. I mean, this is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. And we don't know who we are. He promised to send a redeemer. He promised to provide life. He promised to provide atonement and covering for our sins. Indeed, this he has accomplished through Christ Jesus our Lord. And with that being said, everyone, welcome to Unashamed Radio, where we are not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. My name is Chad Fontes, and today I pray that this podcast would bless you, that God would use it to edify you, but most of all, that it would bring glory to Christ our Lord. Once again, welcome to Unashamed Radio. Hey, what's up, guys? It is I, once again, Chad, the host of Unashamed Radio, where we are not ashamed of the gospel. Today, I'm blessed to be able to interview Mr. Ron Tweedy. Ron, you said you live in what state again? I apologize. I know <laughs> your dad okay. lives in Florida. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he lives in uh, northern Florida, okay. and I live in uh, the upstate of South Carolina. South Carolina. I was going to say North Carolina, but I don't yeah. know if there's like a feud or something. It's like, nope, I ain't from there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> there might be with the natives, but uh, since I'm a transplant, you know, it's okay. okay. Sweet. So I have Ron Tweedy on. Uh, we met through a Reddit post that I made. Yes. And he's a he's an awesome brother. He's a 1689er, um, not in a reformed church, right? I think I, right. Okay, but it's not by choice. Well, so here here's the thing. So I didn't become reformed in my uh, theology until uh, you know uh, we, we were members, covenant members of this church that we were going to now, and the church is um, you know non denominational and uh, elder led. Um, okay, but but the I'd like to liken it kind of the term I would use is paleo fundamentalist, and hmm. the reason why I say that is because like it it really reminds me of the uh, fundamentalist movement like originally. So like you know, early nineteen hundreds. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. You know, uh, just the fact that hey, you know, we have these first order issues, and so you know things like you know Trinity, deity Christ, right. You know, like very man. much fighting against the uh, theological liberalism that was sprouting yeah. up back then. Exactly. And so th those are the first order issues. And so if you hold to those things, that's where, you know, as a member, you have to affirm like the, um, you know, the, those uh, uh, 
fundamentals. Right? Yeah, like rather than so in our church, if you to become a member, you have to agree fundamentally with the sixteen eighty nine Lenin Baptist Confession of Faith. Mm-hmm. Um, right, we, you are able to disagree, you know, to an extent. Right, but in in no way can you disagree with like uh, you know a, a core portion of the confession like the trinity or on election or on baptism well i don't know about that one maybe on baptism <laughs> like i think there could be room for someone who i think uh, i'm not speaking on behalf of my church for this but i think there could be room for someone who believed in infant baptism but right. had no reformed Pado Baptist Church near them and wanted to join themselves with us, I think that'd be perfectly okay. I think. Right, yeah. I could be wrong, yeah. but I think. It, it, that's kind of similar to what we're, uh, what our church does. It's basically saying, yeah, you can definitely believe those things. We are, you know, a bap- you know, uh, credo Baptist right. in our church. But, um, you know, if, if someone did have, you know, uh, infant baptism leanings, as long as they were, they made the commitment not to be divisive, they would be allowed to be members. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that's the requirement is if you do hold, you know, some view that's opposed, you cannot in any way proselytize, you know, according to that opposite view. Right. Right. Sweet. So uh so Ron, that's a church he goes to, so we got that out of the way. Um, let's start off. I know I gave you some questions ahead of time and we may go out of order, but we'll get the gist of it. So Tell the listeners and myself, because I don't, I don't really know you. I just know that you love God and love Jesus and mm. have many of the same values as I do and most of our listeners do. And mm. so that's why I was like, yeah, dude, let's do it, you know? So, sorry to keep rambling, but this is your time to shine. <laughs> <laughs> um, just let, let's start with, uh, if you were just meeting someone, and they say, "Hey, man, how's it going? Uh, I'm, you know, I'm Chad. And you, what's your opening line? You say, "Hey, I'm Ron. I." I would say, "Hey, I'm Ron. I am." I, I'd like to say, I'd like to think I would say, "I'm a sinner saved by grace," and <laughs> right. you know, I, in everything I do, He is the the percipium. He is the foundation, right? Right. So, um, but yeah, that, that's what I'd like to say. What you know, probably I would just say, "Hey, I'm." I, I'm normally by nature a very introverted person. Okay. And so uh, I try I try to be as cordial and friendly as possible, but definitely I definitely fall on that side of the spectrum where um, social interactions uh, wear me out. So <laughs> yeah, so so some yeah sometimes I feel that way. I'm like, man, I just want to get this conversation out of the way, you know. <laughs> um, but okay, so so in general, you know, tell tell us about you. What do you do for work? Um, tell us about your family. And I know you do a podcast with your dad, so I'm totally fine with with plugging that as well if you want to talk about that a little bit. Awesome. Yeah. So um, my day job, I work for a medical supply company. And right now I'm working in like the application development side of things. So we have some web tools that we develop for our sales force and for our marketing team. So they can do like advanced uh, analytics and reporting on items to figure out exactly what our customers are buying and what they should be buying and what okay. we should be selling the prices at. So that kind of stuff, lots of, lots of uh, numbers and data that comes in and out yeah. of our, our section. And then, uh, you know, at home I've got, 
uh, lovely wife, Tracy. Uh, we've been married for 16 years now. Awesome. And we have uh, three little ones. Three? That's and, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, our, our oldest is 12. Okay. And um, we have, also have a nine-year-old and a four-year-old. And so we have two boys and a girl. Sweet. And so how old are you then? You've been married 16 years. Yeah, actually, I think it's closer to fifteen. Yeah, okay. I, I I think about that now. We got married in two thousand four, so okay. Um, but yeah, so we'll be sixteen in the, in, in July. Okay. And so when I we got married, I was twenty years old. Okay, sweet. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm single. <laughs> um. Yeah. So so you have kids. Um. I know you told me you like to play video games with your kids, and I'm a gamer. Yes. So what kind of games are we talking? All right, so right now for what I play pretty much on a daily basis, I, I do Hearthstone. So. Oh, yeah, that's like, like cards, right? It's like a card kind of... Yeah, okay. electronic card game, Blizzard, okay. you know. I, I played a lot of the Blizzard games back in the day, like Warcraft. And, oh, yeah. You know, just tons Warcraft of that stuff. 3, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, pulling that lore and then putting it into a card game was kind of like, oh, yeah, this is definitely my jam. So right. I play that So your uh, kids daily. play that with you? Um, not a whole lot. Um, they, they, It's, you know... They're more into right now. They're all about the Switch, and so they oh. the main games they play now is uh, Super Mario Maker and uh, Minecraft. They love Minecraft. Okay, so. yeah, Minecraft is fun. I've never been ever since like Nintendo DS. I've mm-hmm. not been a Nintendo person. Like, I don't know for whatever reason I gravitated towards Xbox, and then now I just play PC games. But yeah, it's just a preference, I think. Uh, yeah, sweet. So, um, tell us about the podcast you do with your dad. Um, he has a collection of how many DVDs? So I, I tried to get him to answer exactly how much is in his collection. And the, <laughs> the, the issue is that he keeps on adding to it, like on a weekly basis. So oh, man. we don't know, but, um, <laughs> uh, we're actually going to plan next time I'm down there. We're going to do a video tour and post that on YouTube and oh, say, okay, this is actually, so he's got, he has like four shelves of dvds and so his collection the way he has it his parameters he said he's collecting every dvd that he can find of a movie or tv show based on either a comic a graphic novel or a comic strip yeah that's something i've never heard of uh, until listening to your show i listened to uh one of the episodes on iron man i think and yeah. then half of the Avengers episode. Yeah. Because I'm super into the Marvel movies, and I just wanted to hear, you know, you guys' perspective. And it was pretty pretty good. It was it was enjoyable. So uh, what's the show called, and where can people find it? Yep. Uh, we're called Pops Collection, and P-O-P-S Collection, because Pop, that's what we call, uh, that's what my dad's been dubbed by my kids, and so we call it Pops <laughs> Pop. Collection. Um, and so, uh, you can find it on, you know, all the, the regular podcast catcher apps. Oh, and you can also, uh, go, our main website is anchor.fm slash pops collection. Okay. Uh, yeah. Just like that. No apostrophe, nothing like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, 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 the title itself does have apostrophe, but the yeah. web link does not. No, just, just so people can find it. Sweet. So yeah, go check out, uh, Ron's podcast called pops collection where they, so you you guys kind of just review them, right? Review these these movies. Yeah. So what we do is we take a movie or a TV show, and typically if we're doing like a whole show, we'll just take like an episode that really kind of distills what the essence of the show is about, 
and we'll take a look at it. We like to take a little couple clips and talk about them. We want we go, to normally go beat by beat through mm-hmm. the movie, and then what we do is look at the worldview implications of those films. So, you know, great okay. example you mentioned you mentioned Iron Man, and so we talked about how you know really Tony Stark is a man who needs a heart, right? His heart's broken, right. you know, busted, and you know, like we talk about how, you know, that, that is actually the human condition, how, you know, we have hearts of stone. We need to have uh, hearts of flesh Amen. get in us. And when that, and when that happens, that changes us who we are. And then the works from that heart change follow. And so you kind of see, that's the first movie of Iron Man. You see, he, he's a weapons dealer. He is a womanizer. He's this brash, crazy guy. Very prideful. And, yes. And then yeah. he has this, this, complete life-changing event where he you know basically is dead right and then he gets becomes he gets a new lease on life from nothing of his own doing from someone else from the outside right and so and then what what does he do at yeah that's interesting he shakes up the company he you know he then decides to be a force of good in the world so you know yeah there's a lot there one one thing are, are you into star wars at all oh yeah so I, the first Star Wars novel I ever read, or one of the first few, actually I think it was the first set, the Thrawn trilogy, yes, um, the old school one, not the new canon, the old canon. Mm. Uh, and and I, I I was reading about how. So if anybody, if you have no idea what we're talking about, you can just skip the next five to ten minutes, but <laughs> or less. However, just fast forward a little bit. <laughs> but uh, a Leia who is training to be a Jedi is pregnant. Mm. And she is communicating with her children in the womb. I think she has twins through the right. force. And I immediately was like, wow, so babies are people, <laughs> you know, uh, they are alive in the womb. And, you know, mm. like at least Star Wars gets that right. I mean, Star Wars is actually has a deep, you know, uh, religion to it you know yes in the force and the jedi and the sith and on the forces of good and evil and mm. so it's maybe i'll i might have to do an episode on that maybe we can have you back on to talk about some stuff like that because to me it's like super interesting yes definitely sweet so let's move on to more uh quote-unquote important matters um how'd you grow up man uh Grew up in the, did you grow up in the church? Uh, if you did, what kind of church? What was your family like? Uh, and when did you become a Christian? Right. So I had to have a pretty interesting uh, background in that. So my, my parents um, were both raised Catholic. Uh, they, you know, they, they grew up. Um, my dad grew up in South Florida. My, my mom grew up in New York. And mm-hmm. both of them from different sides of the spectrum, they were, they were Catholic. And so when they first got married, um, my uh, grandmother on my dad's side, so his, his mom, she grew, uh, went to a Southern Baptist church. And so when they first got married, she sent the pastor over to talk with them. And so he kind of, you know, gave them the you know, gospel presentation. And so they, they made a profession of faith at the that real point. Gospel. But right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, no, that's, that's awesome. I, I do. I do want to distinguish that. But they. But they still uh, continue. So my, my parents, um, they're just, you know, those salt of the earth Christians where mm-hmm. they, you know, they're extremely faithful. They always are, you know, reading the reading the word. They're always praying. You know, they're they're just, you know, they're those, faithful, those very faithful. And, you know, we had that model for us growing up. And so 
um, you know, when I was about 12, we were still going to the Catholic Church, but then, um, you know, some things happened. I won't get into that too much, but no, basically okay. they realized that the, the Catholic Church was um, adding to what God's word was saying about, you know, certain things. And so we realized that we needed to find a church that was more grounded in the word. Mm hmm. And so that that brought us to a Calvary Chapel in South Florida. Okay. And so um, that for me was my first experience with any type of uh, youth-oriented ministry. Now, you know, the Catholic Church always has the uh, you know uh, classes that you take uh, during the week, and so I right. learned doctrine from the Catholic Church. But for me, it never became like a personal thing. And um, you know, actually going to a youth group. And, you know, obviously your results may vary when it comes to youth ministry, but th this particular right. one was, was really good. I connected with the youth pastor there. He actually uh, was interested in my life. He would you know, ask me questions and he would, um, you know, do those those things where, you know, he would say something and it would just kind of be like those like little prodding things. And so, um, you know, over the course of like six months I became more aware of my sin and my brokenness. And then I realized that, you know, I needed a savior. And so um, throughout that that year, when I was in the sixth grade, that's when I uh, made a profession of faith of my own. You know, you, you had that, you know, realization that like you can't, you know, your parents' faith is not your faith. You have, oh, have to make it your own. That's yeah, no, I, so, I, I totally agree. Yeah. Um so Catholic to Calvary Chapel, how long were you right. there? So uh, we stayed there until uh, we actually moved. So um, actually going through the youth group thing is actually where I met my wife. And we um, you know, oh, okay. met there. We got married. And so we uh, started out our young uh, married life. Still in South Florida, she actually worked for the church in the bookstore. Oh, sweet! And so, so was it yeah, a relatively so, large Calvary Chapel? Very large. So okay. it was um, Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale. Uh, Pastor Bob Coy. I don't know if you've heard of him. I feel um, like I have. I used to be all about Calvary Chapel and K Wave and Brian Broderson and Greg Laurie. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I feel like I have heard the name, but I couldn't tell yeah. you anything about him. Yeah, if if you um actually, I believe that a clip of one of his sermons is now a part of the Radio Free Geneva theme. So, oh really? <laughs> so it kind of is shows that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. His, <laughs> his 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 was the one talking about Lazarus. You know, saying Lazarus come out. He's like, "Hey, I'm dead." You know that that. So you probably <laughs> hey, if you heard that. That's Bob Coy. Oh, so okay, that, okay. Not a so, Calvinist. No, no, not by any stretch. <laughs> no, I know. Now, the funny thing, though, is that, like, I've heard this. It's kind of like a trope with, you know, reformed Facebook or reformed Twitter that about how Calvary Chapel produces so many Calvinists. Right. And because of the commitment to the Word. They actually the fact teach is the Bible that, and encourage yeah, the study of the Bible. Exactly. Every yeah. time we were going there, you know, we were always, there was always expository teaching on yeah. Wednesdays and Sundays. So, I mean, that that that's kind of... You know, the foundation that we got there was, you know, immense. even, you know, sometimes the, you know, the, the secondary things from that sometimes got off on the, the, the different track than we expected. Yeah, I mean, anytime Christians are exposed to the word God use, that's what I just, that was last week's episode, right? Mm. Uh, the means of grace. God gives us grace through 
his word and fellowship and prayers and the sacraments. And so when you're exposed to the word in any capacity, especially one where they're actually teaching it, um, mm. I think God is faithful to use that, you know, whether you learn to agree with the church you're at or God shows you something otherwise. <laughs> right. We're all being sanctified. So quick question. Were you baptized Catholic? I was, I was. And then, uh, when we, I started going, we started going to the Calvary Chapel. I, uh, got baptized as a believer as well. So okay. the summer after I, uh, you know, made the profession of faith, we were on a missions trip. And so there was a time for us to spend, uh, where there was some water. And so that's when I, I decided to make a decision. So my youth pastor actually baptized me oh, uh, cool. while we were out. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I was baptized by a youth pastor in his pool. <laughs> We awesome. do a lot of that around here. We just had two baptisms uh, yesterday at our house. Our whole church came wow. over. We, but that's our thing, I guess. Pools. Actually, it was. It's been cold here and rainy, mm -hmm. so we baptized our pastors. Baptized them in the jacuzzi. That's awesome. <laughs> we turned the jets yeah, the off for the baptism, yeah. but well, that's good. The uh, last time we had a baptism at our church, we actually have a family that has a, a pretty much like a farm, uh -huh. and so. We uh, the last baptism we had our, our uh, baptizees uh, got uh, baptized in a horse trough, so it was pretty awesome. Really? Yeah, that's crazy. I want to see that. We're joking that our pastors need to start wearing uh, white robes when they baptize, because our pastors <laughs> only they always wear like you know shirt and t shirt and tie or suit and tie, mm -hmm. and so to see them wearing like flip flops and swim trunks, it just is it's funny. <laughs> Like, even yeah. though I know them personally, I'm like, it's still funny to see them, you know. So, like, yeah, you need some robes or something. <laughs> um, so, did you ever actually believe uh, Catholic doctrine? Um, I, I probably, uh, I, I think I did. So, there, there was a time where I wasn't really clear on um, some of the distinctives between the Roman Church right. and uh, what, uh, you know what we believe now. Well, I think most Christians don't need. I mean, I think most Christians don't even know the distinctives. Yeah, they've just heard, oh, Catholics is work works based, and and Christians not. Yeah, like that's I can their tell nutshell. you that. <laughs> yeah, there, there was a time where I was a teenager, and we visited uh, relatives with uh, uh, on my mom's side, and um, you know, uh, I actually went up and took uh, the communion at the time, and. You know, knowing what I know now, I would not have participated in that. Oh, right. So. Yeah, I, I know Christians who, um, like my one of my former interviews, Dina Long, she went to a Catholic funeral. Mm -hmm. And at the funeral, they did the Eucharist. And she's like, uh-uh, I, I I'm not doing that. Like, right. I'm not going to participate in this idolatrous re-sacrificing of my Savior. But these other people she was with who called themselves Christians participated. And she's like... What are you doing? Yeah. No, like, but they don't know. I mean, ignorance right. is bliss, exactly. right? Yeah. You don't uh, even, you're just like, oh, wine and bread. Okay. Uh, we do that in my church. Mm. Sweet. So was it hard? Um, I mean, it probably, I'm assuming not because you kind of followed along with your parents into the Calvary Chapel, but was it hard moving from the Catholic Church to a uh, non-denominational evangelical church uh for me it wasn't actually it was okay. the other way around like I, I couldn't wait to get out of there okay <laughs> now the, the, yeah, the thing is, is that 
yeah, I mean, for me, as you know, you think about it, you're 11, 12 years old. And like, a lot of times you don't even know what's really going on. You yeah. know, I mean, that, that you know, I, I didn't really understand the liturgy at all. I didn't, you know, the, 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 the music was like, they, they were singing songs like, but I really didn't understand yeah. like the theology behind any of it. So like, you know, now I have a lot of pre- more appreciation for, you know, some of the older hymns, but before oh, yeah. that, I just, yeah, wasn't like, you know, for me. But. Well, I know that there are some Catholic churches, Roman Catholic churches that still sing like Latin hymns. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how do you, you're doing the same thing Martin Luther didn't like. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't speak Latin. Why are you doing the liturgy in another language? Mm. Sweet. So um, we've talked about your testimony. We talked about how you grew up. Um and we just so this is kind of a good segue. You grew up Catholic, then moved to Calvary Chapel. How did you become? You're a Calvinist, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Yes. And you believe the 1689 basically view of the world, the, the Bible and Scripture, etc. Yes. Okay, sweet. So how did that happen? So, um, ironically, which I, I love this because it's just, it shows the, you know, God, uh, the thing is like when things like this happen in the world where I just think that God, he totally exists and he has like the greatest sense of humor. Right. So what happened here is, uh, my wife's brother, who is a pretty staunch atheist, definitely a man of the left. He was all about this movie called Zeitgeist. And this, you know, this was years ago. And I don't know if you're too familiar with this or not, but I'll just kind of give Yeah, a, I don't think I've ever seen it. I don't know if I've ever. Yeah. I've heard. I've I've seen the word. It's yeah. like, kind of like Bob Coy. Like, I've heard of it, but I don't really know anything about it. <laughs> so to give you the, uh, you know, thousand foot view of the film, the film was a internet movie in three parts. And so I'm only going to focus on the first one. The, it's basically a movie about conspiracy theories. Okay. And so the the first conspiracy theory that is introduced is that this this what they it's uh, academically it's called the Christ myth theory, but I think James White uh, coined the term parallelomania, which I love a lot more. Okay. But basically the idea is that the story of Jesus Christ, he never existed. He was a complete myth and that uh other gods before him have these dying and rising motifs and basically jesus christ was just a copy of all those other ones so yeah Horus, yeah i have heard they, that Horus, yeah, yep, so, yep yeah so the thing is it's like well number one i i it, that was you know that i watched the opening like 10 minutes of the movie and after I started making these claims and it wasn't just like one claim it was like rapid fire okay dionysius said this and all those okay. things and so i was like well there's got to be an answer to this Right. And so obviously that that, you know, uh, made me go on a quest to say, OK, well, what what is what are the Christian responses to these things? And so um, I didn't really get a whole lot of anywhere with the normal uh, thoughts of people. And given the fact that the movie was so new at the time, there wasn't like a uh, very you know well thought out reasoned response to some of those things. Mm-hmm. And so I started getting really creative with my search uh, terms in YouTube to find something. And I, I came across some guy named Dr. Oakley, 1689. Oh, yeah. And uh, he was talking, he was responding to actually a video that wasn't about Zeitgeist, but it was about um, Mithras, which is one of the copycat gods. Okay. And uh, 
it was a video that Rob Bell was doing talking about the similarities between the two. And so I was like, okay, so this guy's speaking against Rob Bell. He's, he's totally exploding the myth that Mithras is a copycat of uh, Jesus Christ. And so this guy's pretty good. He actually knows his stuff. And this was back before I think YouTube now has tweaked their algorithm. But mm. what it used to do is that it would, you know, play the next one and it would be similar to what the content you were actually watching now. Right. And so I started playing more videos by James, this guy, James White, who ends up, you know, having that Dr. Ugly 1689 yeah. <laughs> uh, tag. So random. Like, is it because he wears Oakley's? I, I think I, I don't think I ever like try to figure that out. Yeah. So I think that where it comes from, if I remember correctly, is that. You know, the doctor part, obviously, because of he's you know, a doctor. Right. Yeah. And then the Oakley part is that he just at the time had LASIK surgery. And so he was able to wear sunglasses again. Oakley. Oh. Wear. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Made sense. And 1689. Yeah. 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 So uh, he started, you know, I started listening to the ones that he would talk about, you know, apologetics against uh, Islam, which was also a uh, uh, area of interest to me. And I was like, wow, he's actually answering these things and he's not. Um, you know, going with the uh, the, the low hanging fruit and just right. kind of like you know, he's actually in, interacting in a respectful, consistent manner, which and... actually pisses. Sorry, I don't know if you use that word, but it pisses <laughs> yeah. people off that yeah. he's nice to Muslims. Oh, yeah, sorry for being Christ-like. <laughs> it's like, and then they're like, "Well, he, he at least he could do is preach the gospel," and then he literally shows them like eighteen thousand videos of him preaching the gospel, and they're still not satisfied. Man, it he can, they can't catch a break. Man, James White apologia. I feel bad yeah. for him. Well, I think that the reality is is that I think a lot of times we have to remember that when we're dealing with unbelievers we there is a certain level of grace that we have to extend to them and right. i think he understands that and i think you know decades also ministering to the mormons also taught that to him right. you know <clears throat> it, it, and the other part of it is that you know you can be and sometimes you need to be more uh harsh with your fellow brothers because if they're you know in error or if they're going down a dangerous path you want to snatch them away from that and so right. you actually have that you have the duty to say hey you know, you need to step back, brother. Right. Right. I mean, there's a context to everything, you know. Right. And it, it's just that, you know, when somebody is serving God and and you, most of the people who don't, most of the people who critique them in this way uh, are basically just like clout chasing. I don't know if you've heard that phrase. Yes. But they're using the celebrity of, not that any Christian should be a celebrity, but I'm just mm. using that phrase to help us understand. The celebrity of James White and Apologia and their ministry to the world in, in apologetics and the gospel um, and, and speaking against it because, you know, it's going to cause controversy and it'll get them views and listens. And mm -hmm. it's it's ridiculous. It's kind of sad. It's really sad, actually. Well, I think the other thing is that sometimes people will um, major in the minors. And so, mm -hmm. like, you know. I don't like the way that he looks or dresses or yeah. I don't like the way he handles that particular um Wait, you know, they think they thing. think Christians can drink beer. Uh they're going to hell. <laughs> yeah, I uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. You know what's funny is that um just a quick quick side note, uh it it's cool that James White uh was instrumental in in helping you learn something because for me 
uh, back in probably 2015, I had met this family and was fellowshipping with them. They're Christians. They do evangelism. You know, um, it seemed like a solid family, right? Mm -hmm. Until one day, the dad brings out, you know, 10 different Bibles. And I see sticky notes on and marker notes on all of them that say like evil Bible, devil's translation, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all this stuff. And, and eventually he was trying to convince King James only. He was trying uh, to convince yeah. me of King James onlyism, and I didn't know the real arguments why he was wrong. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I'm, I'm not stupid, and so immediately I said, "Well, what about people in China? Like, do you expect people in China to read the King James Bible, or can they read a Chinese Bible?" And he's like, "Well, ideally they'd read the King James." And I said, "Okay, then you're wrong. Like, there's no way <laughs> this is right." Uh, that was my yeah, like totally. that was my like 20 19 year old 20 year old immediate response and then i started listening i probably watched you know 20 hours or all the hours however many it is of james white's king james only debates mm. and his radio programs and was like then i'd go back to him and be like bam 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 and then he's like oh james white's one of the most prideful people i've ever encountered <laughs> i'm like now you're way off because he's definitely not. Um, but yeah, so he really helped me uh, in my study of, of all that. So yeah. how did you how did you learn about this 1689 uh, London Baptist Confession of Faith? Well, it really just came from that because what would happen is it's like, well, I need to get more of what you know James White is teaching, and so I found out, oh, he's. An elder at the time was an elder at uh, the Phoenix Reformed Baptist Church, and so I realized, right. okay, you know, and I, so I listened to their sermons, and so like, I mean, his like study with the Book of Hebrews is just so. Oh, well, I bet so you good. that is good. Yeah, so good. But uh, so there's that, and so you know, just and then kind of, you know, he would always make reference to the fact that they're 1689 church, so I just looked into that, and you know, that that's kind of where I was like, okay, this makes this makes sense to me. So, so you've you've read through it, obviously. I'm assuming. Yes, it's it's I, I you know I did I did like you know the thing where it's like okay I'm just gonna read it to get through it sometimes because a lot of times, particularly the way you know some of the things are worded, you really have to like spend. Oh man, you know my uh, my buddy um, just posted something on Twitter the other day. He said, "Oh, I just looked at an old essay I wrote, and I wrote you know one sentence was a whole page." Yeah, and I said, "Well." Uh, you're in good company because the 1689 every paragraph is one sentence with exactly. about eighty thousand semicolons. <laughs> yeah, but man, yeah, yeah so it, I, it, it's I got to go through theology. it more. You know, I got uh -huh. I got definitely go through it more. But you know, basically, you know, every time like I've gone gone and looked up something, you know, whether it's about you know the law or what does you know it say about the Trinity or inspiration, right. you know, those things, it's like, yep. That's straight on. You know, it, it it's amazing because I remember as a I, I used to attend like a Calvary Chapel esque church, mm -hmm. um, fully dispensation dispensationalist, uh, fully um, pre mill, fully four point or three and a half point, whatever you want to call it, Calvinist. Um, you know, Calvary Chapel, basically Calvary Chapel, and I uh, remember teaching youth. And, you know, trying to look up all these ways to talk about the Trinity or this doctrine or this thing. And now that I've been in a Reformed church that 
respects and honors the Christians of the past. Mm. Like, I wish somebody had just said, hey, go look up the uh, Athanasian Creed. Yeah. Like, I would have just read that to the kids, you know, and be like, well, here it is. This is the best yeah. way to put it. Way better than I could do it, you know. Um, but yeah, so that's super good. Super cool. Um, so do you consider yourself reformed or do you consider yourself Calvinist Baptist? What is it? How do you describe yourself? I'm not going to put, I'm not going to define your label. What do you tell people? Yeah, I'd say, you know, from, from my beliefs, it definitely would be a reformed Baptist perspective. Sweet. Um, That's what I'd say. Yeah, that's what we say. So if you ever come to California, you have a place to visit. Well, there's a bunch yes. actually, but sweet. Um, awesome. So from Reform to Calvary Chapel to, oh no, from Catholic to to yeah. Chapel to Reform, I almost got you all backwards there. Um, <laughs> do you still? How did what? What's your attitude towards Calvary Chapel? I mean, not that you have to have one, but and it probably it's probably neutral, but I. I go back and forth. Like sometimes I really love what they do, and other times I'm like, "Ooh, I don't know why you're doing mm. that." Yeah, you know, it's definitely. Um, I, I I definitely more towards. Um, you know, I, I definitely do view them as uh, brothers. Oh, of course. Yeah, um, they're definitely Christians. Yeah, yeah. So, but but yeah, you're right. Sometimes you know they, they'll they'll do something, and I'm like, ah, I don't think that's probably the wisest thing. Yeah. But the the, the interesting thing about that is that, you know, the uh, variance between the Calvary chapels because of the their leadership model. Right, it, it varies wildly. So, like you actually, there, I'm, I think there are actually Calvinist. Yeah, I've Calvary heard of that. Out there. I have heard of that. So, I remember reading a. There was an article that was going around at one point called. I think it was just what we were talking about earlier, like why Calvary Chapel creates so many Calvinists, mm. and it was like just this article that explained everything we were just talking about, how they teach the Bible, you know, et cetera. All right, Ron, what is your favorite Bible verse or passage and why? Yeah, so um, I, I'm actually kind of a, a hog when it comes to verses, so I, I like the entire book of Ephesians. That's my favorite. Okay. Um, so there, there was a uh, one uh, evening service we went to at, at, uh, at our church, and um, the in particular during the, the singing, the um, – our, our pastor got up and he basically just uh, read out of the second chapter, you know, particularly just the, the first part where like, you know, you're dead and sins, you Children know, walking in darkness, exactly, yeah. all, the, all that stuff. And then, you know, he has that, you have that, those two words, but God, mm. and that just totally changes everything. Right. And yeah. that, that, that's, that's the game changer. Right. And so, you know, from then on, I've just had this fascination with the entire book. And so I love just, you know, and, and the nice thing about it, it's only six chapters. So, like, I can just get it knocked <laughs> out, you know, in a couple minutes. Yeah, you, know, you could read that time. every day if you wanted to. Exactly. And I have read it many, many, many times. So <laughs> I, I read that. I love it. I love it because, you know, you get this beautiful picture of what God has done in, you know, the first, you know, two chapters. And then you have this, the third chapter saying that basically because of that, you have, um, you know, you have, there's this equalizing factor in that we're, we're, you know, we have so much riches in Christ. And then from all of that, all those amazing things that God has done for you, the things that you have, 
been the second half of the book, for, you know, chapter four, five, and six, it gives you actual really practical applications about now that God has done all these things, these this should be your response. And so it gives you practical things about how to be a good husband, how to be a good wife. Right. Yeah. He prepared us for work, good works beforehand. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that, that that's why it's my favorite because it, it just kind of it's like the, the whole package. I, I love it. Amen. Yeah, I I really like Ephesians. At, at one point, I had memorized that whole little section. I think it's like six or seven verses mm. um, on that. You know, the prince of the power of the air, and you were children of wrath of God, like the rest of mankind. And then, yes. but you know, but God, that exact thing you're talking about. I couldn't obviously. I can't quote it because I didn't. But it, I do. It really. I mean, I had the whole chapter of Philippians four memorized at one point. I don't. Mm. I don't have it memorized, but I mean. Quick plug to anybody who's listening, try to memorize scripture because whenever it comes up again, it's there and it will always mm. be there, you know, and the Holy Spirit often can just make you remember something while you're talking to someone that you didn't even know you remembered. So, amen. So do that. All right. So the name of this show is Unashamed Radio, where we are not ashamed of the gospel. And I think just from your testimony and, you know, what you're doing with your life and, and where you've been. I, I would, I'm assuming you're unashamed. What, what does that look like? What does it look like to be unashamed of the gospel? How do we do it? Um, floor is yours. So um, that is actually something that God's been really working on me as of, as of recently. Okay. So, um, you know, I, I'm working through some fear of man issues, particularly where at work mm. and um, just kind of in the public space. And what it means is uh, it, it allows us, or what, what it's supposed to do, you're supposed to be able to not only share what God has done for you, but also his word, right? Because mm-hmm. I think that's the thing. Like, you know, anybody can have a good story about, you know, something worked for me, right? right? It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, but if we don't get back to that foundation of God's word and being able to share that and actually not be, like I said, uh, like like the name says, ashamed of it. Right. That's kind of really what it boils down to. I think so. that's a good point because I think sometimes people are not ashamed of their testimony, mm. right? Where who the person they were. Like a lot of times people are really willing to say, "Oh man, I was a super sinful person and then when I met God, I I'm th- now I'm this way," you know? Not that that's in any way untrue, but the gospel is not that. The gospel is the story of redemption. The right. gospel is what God and Christ did to accomplish that work in your life. And so it mm-hmm. always has to come back to that focus, you know? So, I mean, from what you're saying, that's kind of kind of what I gathered is that it's not always just about, you know, talking about, you know, what's going on in your life, but more so what God himself is doing in your life, you know, and talking through his word and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think the other important thing, especially nowadays, is you know not really backing down from what God's word says. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times, you know, it, it, sometimes we can, you know, kind of gloss over some of the more, um, uh, you know, uh, thorny parts, right? I mean, you know, that I think back right now to like some of the imprecatory psalms, you know, the <laughs> fact that you know we we shouldn't be ashamed of those things, you know, the fact that you know it was good for that the people of Israel and it's good for the church today right. to sing those things that, you know, and if you say said. it's not, you probably have an issue somewhere, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like if you really think that singing the Psalms in church would be unbiblical, 
how do you, you know, I don't even know what to say to that. It's like, if it's in the Bible and God told his people to do it, then Mm -hmm. obviously we're in the new covenant. We're not debating that. Right. But in no way does it mean we, we should not do the same thing. Right. 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 Well, the word says to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms. Exactly. Right? And, sing psalms. You know, <laughs> right. It's there. No, even, but only the only covenant. some psalms. Only some, <laughs> not all of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm. I mean, uh, do you listen to Cross Politic? Have you ever heard of them? I I, I am actually a Fight Laugh Beast member. Okay. So. Hey, me too. <laughs> um, <laughs> disclaimer: I'm not speaking on behalf of. Emmaus Form Baptist Church, but I love Cross Baltic. Um, anybody I can tell about it, I tell them about it. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. so yeah, I'm, yeah, a, man I, as well. I'm a Phyla Feast member. Um, I love in the beginning of their intro where it's part of a sermon Toby Sumter gave, and he says, uh, basically they're the enemies of God, right? Whenever God is telling His people to do something, the enemies of God are driven back and they're slaughtered, right? Right. And yet, in today's culture, we just have this defeatist mentality. Like, mm-hmm. Christians are always going to be in a state of persecution. Right. And that encourages not fighting back. Right? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I just love that. The enemies of God yeah. are driven back and they're slaughtered. Like, I believe God is going to defeat his enemies. I believe he is defeating his enemies. Mm. Not everybody does. <laughs> or yeah, they believe you know, he does, but it won't happen until, you know, one day when he comes back. Yeah, you know, that, that is something that, uh, depending on your eschatology, that right. definitely will define how you, you look right. at those things. And our now, church is you, Amil. Right. And I'm somewhere between post-mill and Amil. My pastor <laughs> wants me to be Amil. So, yeah, I won't say anything more about that. <laughs> yeah. I have yeah, have yeah, you seen I, The Mandalorian? Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Okay, yeah. We actually, I, haven't seen the latest episode. So. Well, I have spoken. <laughs> right, exactly. No, that's good. Yes. That's good. I, I have like that. spoken. Um, sweet. So, uh, unashamed radio. In the in the answers to the questions you gave me, I'm going to go back to this. Okay. You said it means proclaiming the lordship of Christ in everything you do, and that's actually what made me think. Oh, he's probably a fight left feast person. <laughs> because pretty much uh matt williams he always says that in like every episode mm. claim the lordship of christ in everything you do and yeah he's a good guy um how do you how do we practically do that like proclaim what is christ the lord of he's lord of all right so the thing so he's lord of uh uh you know computer science he's the lord of application mm. development he's the lord of medical supplies right so, you know, what does that look like uh, on a daily basis? It means like, so I, I like to think back of um, just there's a story or an anecdote from Martin Luther. And right. uh, there's a, a guy who comes with him, comes to ask him, hey, you know, now that I'm saved, now what? Right. And then Martin Luther asks him, well, wh- what do you do for a living? He says, I'm a cobbler. And he says, well, make an excellent shoe and charge a fair price. So the, the answer to that is, you know, whatever you're doing, you do a, you work for the Lord, you're doing, a, you know, you do an excellent job. And that that excellence is because of, you know, who you represent and who you're doing it for. Right. So so the fact is that God is the ultimate designer. Right. And so we're going to design things that are. Reflective.
Hey guys, hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Unashamed Radio. If it was a bonus episode, hope you enjoyed that as well. Just a quick request. If you like the show, please let me know. Um, if you, The best thing you can do for a podcaster is to share the show. Um, also, if you have any requests, concerns, questions, etc., uh, feel free to contact me at, on Twitter at, um, at ch underscore adfontes, A-D-F-O-N-T-E-S. Um, or you can email me at unashamedradio116 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you guys. I know there's a few dozen listeners. <laughs> so thanks for listening. Uh, hope to see you next week. Talk to you soon.